Well, well good morning. What's up, dude? Not much, you know. I'm uh, I'm trying to stay cool here in Southern California. We had a uh, 90 degrees two days ago. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, we were down <laughs> Sunday. We were down to the beach. It was 90 degrees in Laguna. Nice. nice. So, hey, welcome, Randy Doyle Podcast. And I am obviously uh, in Boise, Idaho. I got Levi with me. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump in. And uh, this guy, we we have a history going back. It's kind of weird. We're talking about this. It's weird for me to come back. Yeah, because Idaho, uh, back when we had our shop here, we are kind of the first big thing to happen, like in detailing in Idaho. Yes, like yeah, you know, no, you know what I'm say, saying. I would say yes. Yeah, we're and we never really figured that there'd be anything like big happening detailing wise. I didn't think it either. And then and then it kind of <laughs> it kind of went off the rails. Yeah, you know, uh, and say I, that. Yeah, it went off the rails a little bit, but. You know, it's cool to come back to Idaho because we always believed in Idaho, and Idaho's such a, a car centric community. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that there's yeah, no. a lot of car people here and cool things. But uh, so obviously, Chris, I'm back in Idaho, but Laguna Beach, Sunday, 90 degrees. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get more cars and car people in Idaho, but it hasn't worked out yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so last yesterday, two hours of sleep. Uh, yeah, got up at two 30 in the morning, uh, to get here. Uh, awesome trip. So obviously I've got Levi Gates with us, uh, or I guess I'm with you. You're with me. You're I'm with you. You're in my space. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> and, uh, we wanted to bring him on and it's, do you remember where we first ever saw each other? Do you remember glancing remember, in my eyes at Porta Subs? I, well, I do. <laughs> I remember, I remember that. Uh, so I remember visit like, so we had, I worked at a shop. I managed a shop just down from your shop. Mm -hmm. And I remember going by and you would drive your Hummer. Yeah. I remember seeing your H1 cruising around and I remember reading the back of the window and stuff and the side of it. And you had uh, your detailing success logos on it. And I was like, I wonder what, I wonder what that's all about. And I did a little web search on you and was like, huh, that's interesting. And then one day, literally walking in, it was you and you had probably four or five guys with you, and you were all at Porter Subs over on Overland, yep. and you were eating lunch. And I was like, I saw the truck, and then I saw you, and I had put two and two, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's Rennie. And I just said, hey, Rennie, because you looked right at me, I looked right at you, yeah. and you just said, hey man, what's up? And then that was, I got my sandwich, and that was it. You got your guys, and you guys got a trip in. or what? And that was. That was almost 16, 17 years ago. Can you believe that? It was a long time ago. It, you know, and it just proved that you don't know when your your paths are going to cross. No. You know, you really don't. And look at what's happened in the industry, I mean, since then. I mean, look where we're at. Yeah. You know, yeah, and again. I still pinch myself. Yeah. It's like, it, it, and coming back, I, I got to tell you, because I've got such a tight Idaho. And it's a proud moment to see what you guys have done. Because it's brought it to a state that a lot of people don't know much about yeah and and it's it's home and i think it's just such a for those that don't know idaho is like one of the coolest it's the That's garden why never, it's why i never left yeah yeah like it, i probably had a lot of chances i could have yeah and gone and done something something and done something different um but i don't know there's i jokingly refer to there's a curse on this uh place if you see the river you can't leave, and if you do leave, you, you find yourself coming back. Yeah, no, it, and that's well, just how it is. Look at I'm it's back. Cool. I'm back, and I, I told Jeff this a couple of years ago. 
you know, we got double black and we got you guys engaged, mm -hmm. you got engaged with us. You know, we've been friends. There's a lot of, you know, I love what you, you've done. I Thank mean, you. There's a big brand. There's a lot of people that make this move. But the Levi story, I think where I've got a connection with you is the fact that it's just, we both come from, and we're going to get into that, is we both come from humble beginnings of just being yeah. detailers. Yeah. Before detailing was when we're still like janitors. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> when I, I used to feel bad because I'd run into friends from high school and they'd be working on their master's degree yeah. and or they'd be working for this company doing this and, and you're just be a like, detailer. what are you doing i'm like oh, i'm still detailing I'm cars cleaning yeah. cars you know like, well there's going to be a lot of people that criticize I've, you and i have talked about this is that people oh man i've never been ashamed of that and i said you know what it's because you're standing on soldiers shoulders of people that came before you and we stood on shoulders of people that came before us yeah yeah you know, and but to see it propped up like it's been propped up in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, especially in the last 10 years is is unreal. Yeah. So let's get in for those that, you know, I, I'm going to take and, and, and introduce this guy. He's my friend. Um, I think he's a big I think this the rag company is one of the, the, the pillars <clears throat> within the detailing industry that has taken. And I think there's companies like Rupes, um that has gone out um, and really changed the game. Yeah. And, and I think because not that you guys are a detailing company, you're actually a marketing company. You've done a great job of putting your guys out there. As much as we didn't plan on that. Right. You know, right. That, that, that wasn't a thing. There are companies that come into a business as a marketing company and then sell a product. Yeah. We came in just trying to sell a product. And became a marketing company. Four or five people going, how do we, how do we sell this? I don't know. Let's yeah. try some things yeah. and not being, confined or mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. uh kind of confined by the man we were able to just kind of run run with what we brung and try our hardest and pretty it's cool paid off yeah. so when you look at the same thing as you know it it you look at what rupes has done and one of the most brilliantly marketed companies in the world in, in our industry at mm -hmm. least is that yeah they, yeah they make you guys awesome towels awesome supplies but it's the information that you put out and in the way in which you do it and yeah. i just think it's you know hats off to you guys so so levi's a good friend he's a fellow detailer and um you're actually brand development management for for here for here yeah but you know and for yourself yeah and for right. you know the whole the whole you know dane anthony all, yeah all of it that's that is my biggest thing is uh is that and then the detail and education is yep. teaching and training and helping others brand development is mostly trying to figure out how we can help best not only push our brand but the brands that we carry absolutely and how to push them but then on top of that continuously looking for the next best product that we can bring on or next best company that we can have join us in this uh pirate ship yeah you know it it, it it's really and it's it's cool to see how and i work this is probably a main point i want to make and chris and i we agree heavily on this is that uh in the past a lot of companies didn't in, in, in our industry didn't blend too well. They didn't play well together on the playground. Yes. And and I think this is, I think that companies like this, and, and we definitely, you know, here we, we've got Double Black, mm -hmm. but you come into our training center and Double Black's only about, what would you say percentage-wise, Chris, of what we use in the training center? 20, 25% maybe? Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, you look around and you you, you think it was 100% sometimes, but, right. but when it comes to actual use, it's like 25%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because there's so many great brands out there yeah. and we want to, 
we want you to choose our brand because you like it mm -hmm. and because it does a good job for you. And, and there's other, but there's other great brands out there that do things. And we want to share that with them too. Right. That didn't happen 10 no. years ago. No. And that was something that I saw. Yeah. Just growing through this whole thing and, and being a detailer, they detailers pick sides. They pick teams. You're either this team or that team. You either only use flex or you only use. Oh yeah, boy. You, you either only use, you know, car pro or you only use yeah. g-technic yeah and i noticed there was a number of detailers that would almost and this was maybe 10 years ago they'd start as the brands started to become more popular through social media mm -hmm. more and more companies detail shops would brand themselves with that brand mm -hmm. and they would almost that was their identity they would lose their detailing their companies, their brand, their actual businesses identity mm -hmm. into a major corporation, you know, not a major corporate, but a, but a, a detailing company brand. Absolutely. And I remember Kevin Davis used to talk on that all the time. Don't align yourself with that brand. Now I did that, but mine was the rag company. Yeah. Like my shop, I remember I had my, my, I redid my shop. I put a big rag company sticker on the wall and I did a big bit, my logo on the wall. Those were the only two stickers I had on the wall, but I was, Rag Company was a local hero. I was using their towels and I was technically part-time working for them in the evenings and weekends. And, and it paid off for you. It paid off, but that was what I did. But I remember yeah. them seeing people pick teams and I thought, huh. And I went to SEMA and I knew everybody through Facebook, through Instagram. And I thought, I have to shake their hand. Each one of my Facebook friends, each one of my Instagram friends, I have to shake their hand. I have to get to know, I have to know them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I shouldn't be adding them. And I remember I went to SEMA and it was probably, I had gone, I used to go all the time till about 2005. And then I stopped. Mm -hmm. And then in 2017, 18, I went again. And uh, it was 17. And Jeff and I, I took Jeff with me from the rag company. And we did that. And I had a list of names and I said, we're going to say hi to all these people and introduce ourselves. And Jeff goes, wow, we only got three days to do it. That's, I hope we can get everybody. We had all of it done within the first like two hours. And we looked at each other. We we're like, well, that was easy. Right. Holy cow. Yeah. And yeah. it was at that moment when I was like, how did we walk in and introduce ourselves and say hi to everybody? Everybody was so friendly. Why can't we all just hang out and do this more often? And we started to make it a point at every show we went to, we we're like, let's first things first, let's go around and say hi to everybody. And we still do that to, to this day at SEMA, the day before the show starts, Jeff gets all of us together. He puts all of it, makes sure we're all branded in rag company apparel. And we go wander the show floor and we go say hi to every single person that's, that's there that day before, just so that they can see and, and see that, hey, the rag company guys came by and said hi. Right. And Absolutely. It's all of us just basically going to say hi to every single person that we know in the industry and and ask them questions, even if we don't carry their products, even if we don't sell their products. It's just being friendly. It's just, hey, what's going on? How are you? You know, there's it. And it's cool that you say this because there's I, I call it the three pillars of business. It's called you, which means you, you yourself and, you know, you're a brand within yourself. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's relationships. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's marketing. And yeah. those three things, everybody thinks, you know, I got to look at my logo and this and that. You know, it, I mean, it. we've got a guy right down the street, Charlie Hutton. 
Yeah, we do. Um, I don't even know the name of his company, but I know who I Charlie do. Hutton is. <laughs> but my point but yeah, is, is but yeah. that it's Charlie Hutton. It's just Charlie Hutton. And and his work speaks for himself, mm-hmm. you know, of not even knowing the company. Uh, Chip Foose, Foose Designs. I yep. mean, you you look at the and, – and, and to credit of Chip Foose, Chip Foose TV, everything else, you know, you know what he calls me? Mm-hmm. He, he has no idea my name, but he remembers me every time. Chevelle guy. He relates back to to me yeah. having a sixty seven. Yeah. And so how you know how cool is that? So so now hey hey uh, Chris he's got a little he's known Levi is known what what's his nickname? Oh the master shine. Okay so where's that come <laughs> right? <from? Okay. laughs> so Mas- the master of shine was literally when I started my shop. Mm-hmm. So I when I opened my shop in twenty eleven here in Boise. So I had been managing other people's detail shops and managing car wash detail shops mm-hmm. since 1996. So I've been doing all these different things. I opened my own shop. My business partner and I said, he goes, what are you going to name it? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. And he goes, well, you name it whatever you want. It's your shop. Like, I'm just helping you get it going. Well, his car lot was called Hawks Motors. Mm-hmm. It's one of the oldest oldest yeah it's been it's literally the oldest dealer's license in idaho wow active dealer's license and his dad we joked owned most of downtown so simplot owned part of downtown hawks owned the other half of downtown so i thought that's a family name that's an idaho boise name Mm -hmm. that has been synonymous with a lot it's also the name of the local baseball affiliate the boise hawks and so i thought Hawks detail. I'll just, that's what I'll call it. And he goes, well, are you going to, if you buy me out and you change the name, are you going to keep Hawks detail? And I said, no, I'll probably name it something else. And he was like, so the name it that. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'll give it a name. We'll call it Hawks detail. So it's easy for you. Cause if you refer customers, then it sounds good for you. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine for me. Cause they'll just think I'm related to the Hawks family anyway. And, uh, and then I'll add another name and we'll just trade off both those names. So it became Hawks Detail Masters of Shine. Hmm. And that was the name of the shop. And I had the logo and I, I had what I called my Warhawk. And it was a, a bird with a big star in its chest. And then it said Hawks Detail and Masters of Shine. And so that was my, that was it. And so it was, here we are, Hawks Detail. We are the Masters of Shine. And that was yeah. our kind of our Stuck. plug like yeah. a, like our little yeah. motto little tagline and that's what we did and and all our shirts said that our hats and then when i came over here so when i when i left hawks to come do this mm-hmm. i took masters of shine the nom- the nomenclature with me that mm-hmm. logo and brought it here jeff said well, what are you going to do with that and i said i, I don't know we'll just we'll call it that well everybody started just calling me the master of shine and mm-hmm. that's been my kind of moniker it was already my instagram handle it was already all that stuff, I'd been using it for so long. And so people already knew it as that because I had branded myself that. That's pretty cool. And then we started adding it onto hats. And now we have the Master of Shine hats that are black with a camo bill. They say Master of Shine on the back. We've got an olive drab green one and just says Master of Shine on the back. And it's just something that we created. It was an MOS line, as we say. Mm-hmm. So we did a couple MOS hats and we've talked about doing some shirts just because everybody can be a master of shine. Absolutely, and I, so I love that. It's kind of a kind of a way to do it without giving. But 
Yeah, MOS. You know, I have my podcast, The Master of Shine at Home mm-hmm. podcast, and uh, that's it's, it's become me. It's, it's fun. It's me. It's so, fun. Yeah, it's fun. And I like it. So let's go back to the early days of detailing. Okay. Let's go back to your very beginning. You know, a lot of people think that there's when when you find successful people in the detailing industry that they just started out that way. And I found, especially back when we got our start, you know, is pretty humble beginnings. So yeah. let's go back to that beginning. Okay. Just share where you started. So my parents are retailers. Mm-hmm. So my mom and dad, when they got married, my dad uh, would detail cars on the weekends mm-hmm. just to make a couple extra bucks. And he said, I did. He goes, in 1980, 79, 80. And he goes, we would detail cars. He goes, I do my chiropractor's car. I do, he goes, we just, I pick up friends and family. And my dad had always kind of worked at a service station. And so he'd grown up as a mechanic, built a race car, him and his buddy, they raced all over the country. Uh, they were to be sponsored by Pepsi. My dad's best friend got in a wreck, massive wreck, ended up learning how to walk, having to learn how to walk and talk again, was in a coma for six months, uh, has lost all of his short-term memory. So he resets himself every, basically, it's every five minutes. He'll reset, wow. kind of forget where he is and start telling you the same. So 10 second Tom. Yeah. So it's Unky Dan, as we call him. And it was my dad's best friend. And uh, so when that happened, my dad got out of racing and married my mom and was like, got a normal job. But one thing he liked doing was doing cars, but he didn't want a mechanic. He didn't want to, he didn't want to be a mechanic for people. He had his white collar job. He didn't want to do that. And so he thought, what can I do? That's something easy, quick, fast, something that I still get to touch a car, get to do stuff. So it was detailed. So he would work on cars and he taught my mom how to detail cars. And the two of them wow. would detail cars on the weekends. Wow. And that was just their thing. And my dad goes, we charge 30 bucks a car. Wow. And he goes, and we'd wash and wax and vacuum and clean the carpets up and stuff and do the windows and, and give it to the, to give it to him. And that was kind of how I was raised. So my, uh, when you start doing chores, I had to mow the lawn and take out the trash and I had to wax the cars, wash and wax them. That was my dad's thing. He's like, you go out there and you wash them. Here's, here's stuff. And he pull old pro products out of the cabinet and old car beauty products. And that like some of the wax I was putting on our family car was probably 15 years old when I was 15 years old. And, right. And right. we're putting it on. So I'm not sure it was really working, but that's what I did. And that was how I was taught. And I enjoyed it. I had That was like the one chore I really liked doing. That and then like, I didn't mind taking out the trash. And so I mow lawns to make money. And then I just washed my parents' cars. And then my dad, when I'd go over and mow my grandma's lawn, he'd be like, hey, why don't you do something nice for your grandma and wash and wax her car? And I was like, oh, okay, all right, I guess I'm gonna do that. And that was it. And then when I turned 16, I needed an actual job. My dad gave me a birthday card. And I famously told this story on a number of podcasts, but my dad gave me a birthday card at 16. And it said, happy birthday. Love you. You're 16. You're legally able to work. Get a job. Don't ask. Don't ask <laughs> me. It. Don't ask me for money again. Really? And that was it. That was that was what my dad said at 16. And I said, I remember looking at it and I got like a stereo for my room and I was like, so I don't know what this, and he's like, get a job. So the next day I had to go out and start looking for a job. 
And I went and got a job at the car wash down the street here, literally half a mile from the rag company here. This little like new car wash it was a mainstream at the time. And it was called Mainstream Touchless Car Wash, and it was a full service wash. So it had vacuums at the back. You vacuum the car, you pull it through, you pressure wash it, get out on the other end. A couple kids would hop in, they clean the windows, you'd have someone dress the tires, they dry it off. That was it. We started doing detailing express services. And so you do hand wax and what we call the interior super clean, where you just dressed all the plastics and vinyl. And I was like, I really like, I learned, I, I learned how to do every job in that car wash and was managing it at 18 and was just having a ball. I thought it was the funnest job I ever had. It was just down the street from my house and I worked there till I was 20. And then I got a job at a dealership doing some detailing, but a lot of vinyl and graphic work, mm -hmm. uh, doing stickers and decals on cars and pinstriping. Um, I worked in kind of a custom shop at Dennis Dillon, which was a dealership here. And then, uh, from there, went to a dealer, went to another detail shop, to a different car wash, to another detail shop. I just kind of bounced around because some of these car washes and detail shops, the owners would change hands and the new owners would come in and they're like, hey, we're just going to do this. We're getting rid of this system or that. And I was like, there goes my job. Yep. And I go find something else to do. And so, but I always stuck in detailing because it was what I was good at and what I knew. And I finished high school. I did some college but I really liked detailing and that was my thing. And so I had fun and it wasn't until I started working at Boise's Best that I actually started making decent money to where I was like, oh, I'm all right here. However, we worked hard and that was a high production or high volume production shop. Mm -hmm. We did, we would knock out 25 cars oh, they, a day they, they were and we were doing almost every dealership. In they still, they're still around they're now. Still around. Kind of, they've, they've kind of- yeah. uh, Danny slowed down. He's, yep he's shrunk his team down and he's focused more on what he's good at higher end and doing higher end work and doing coatings. And he yeah. does a ton of boats and he's been having, he's doing stuff that he should have been doing 10 years ago, but I'm glad he's doing it now. Cause he's finally gotten into the, yeah. into where he's found his sweet spot. It's still like his dream is to go even smaller, go to a two bay shop with him and like one other guy. That's right. what he wants to do and just do coatings and, and corrections and all that but he taught me speed and efficiency and detailing because we had knockout cars fast but i remember we were doing full corrections with rotaries and doing full interior details for 125 bucks oh yeah that was yeah. imaginable. what year was that in that would have been i started working for him in 2003. wow and i worked with him until 2000 well no it was almost gosh no it was 2002. And then I worked with him till 2011, so almost 10 years, so with him nine years, and uh, ran his shop. I mean, literally, I came to work for him and within a month. He basically was like, "You're really the smartest guy here, so why don't you run it? You just do this for me." And so I was his main guy. And then uh, my buddy Ryan Hawks called one day, literally just called me and said, "Remember we talked about opening a detail shop five years ago?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "You still interested?" And I said sure what's up he goes do you want to do it tomorrow and i said it's <laughs> pretty random um what do you mean and he's like well i just rented a building and i think it'd be perfect for a detail shop and i signed a five-year lease i just rented it because it was a good deal and i was just thinking what could i put in there wow what if we put a detail shop in 
you want it. And I was there's like, there's a business plan for you. Yeah, yeah that's literally <laughs> what it was. And, wow. and, and he was a customer of his that had bought a car and was like, did anybody know want to rent this property? And it's got this. And they looked at it and he was like, well, yeah, I'll just rent it from you. I'll figure out what I'll put in there. And he saw it and he's like, let's just do a detail shop. That's and one so, way to go about it. Yeah. So he basically put up the money and within six months I had paid it all back to him. And then by that, and I was just doing his cars and then opened it up for retail customers and ran that as it was. And I, by the time when I left and sold my share, I was, I had seven employees. We were doing 125 cars a month and it was a good little business. It was mm -hmm. pulling about 45 grand a month and it was a nice little shop. Right. Absolutely. Perfectly sized. Everything was good. So without this allowed me because of my physical detriments from all that production detailing, all the arthritis, all the pain, all the, the it was getting harder for me to actually do a car physically every day. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot out of me. And so I had to start that last year managing the business and not detailing the cars. And that was a hard transition for me to make tough because I'm very hands-on. And I like, I don't ever like making my employees do something that I won't do. And nine times out of 10, I was the guy that was like, we do, we do some repos for the dealerships, right? Or for the local credit unions. So we go pick up these cars that were at the auction already. They'd already been repossessed. My uncle owns a repossession company and he would mm -hmm. repossess them. They would be at the, at the auction. My uncle would call me and he'd go, hey, just so you know, there's three that are really bad. Just so you know, they're bad people been living in them kind of bad and we'd pull these cars up my guys would see them and they're like like they didn't know where to start burn it down yeah i'd be the guy i said don't worry about it guys i'd throw a respirator on i'd throw gloves on and i would spend the hour and a half removing garbage from the vehicle before they'd even get into it yep. you know that was i was like i'll i'll do that because of that or a really poorly, you know, a damaged paint job. And my guys are like, man, I don't want to correct that. I don't want to give me that white yeah, beetle yeah, yeah. out there. Exactly. I'll do that. And it's like, all right, fine. Do the white beetle. I try to keep my guys happy because if they were happy, they work really well. Absolutely. They never called in sick, but I would try and pull those jobs. I'd go, look, why don't I do this? I'll cut that for you. At least it's and cut. You finish it down. And then you finish it down. And they're like, oh, well, I've only got to do one step on it. All right, cool. Yeah. You know? And so I would take those and do it. And I, it got harder and harder. I couldn't do that every day. And that was this coming over to the rag company when Jeff offered me the job was like, I felt like I was a cop on the beat. You know, I was a beat cop on the streets and I was able to get a desk job. Yeah. It's kind of how I saw so, it. So take us, take us there. So early days of the rag company. So, so take us back to where, where even previous, a lot of people yeah. might not know the story in the rack company so, that came into existence. It was a little old lady that owned it. So microfiber made it to the U.S. in towel form, mm -hmm. 1994. Mm -hmm. In 1999, the rag company was established by a little old lady named Beverly. Bev mm -hmm. went and found some microfiber towels and... Uh, she was at a convention or a cleaning thing or something. She saw them. She thought they were the coolest thing in the world. And she just fell in love with the towel technology itself. So she started, she thought, well, that'd be a good little business. I could run out of my garage. And she basically started ordering towels from a factory in China and a factory in South Korea. 
And so she would order the towels. She'd pick different colors she liked. She just loved it. She created the website herself. This is a woman that was in retirement age, built her own website, built her own little business, would deal with the factories overseas and have everything shipped to her house. And she ran it out of her garage. And when she was, when she got to a point that it was just her and her husband and they were doing really well, mm -hmm. but they were doing paper invoicing for everything. Wow. So uh, then she got sick. She had to go into hospice. So it was just her husband. The business was big enough. He couldn't keep up with the orders. They toyed with, well, let's call the kids. Let's see if anybody wants to get in on this little business. None of their kids wanted it. None of their grandkids wanted it. So through a friend of a friend, Jeff and Carolyn Hennon found out about it. They had always, they both had their MBAs. They both thought, gosh, it'd be fun to maybe have our own business someday and just do the stuff that, that we want to do as business owners and kind of just have fun with it, make it our own. And they didn't know what that business was going to be. And so they heard about this little towel company and they thought, gosh, we know nothing about towels, but let's go see. And they went and saw it and they checked it out and they thought, gosh, this could be something we could do. And so the money was right. They offered and got it. And the lady said, Bev said two things, make a go of it. Don't change the name. And they were like, okay. And that's what they did. So they made a go of it because their worry, like her worry was that they would just sell off the the inventory and then close up shop. Mm -hmm. She was like, I don't want to sell it to you unless you're actually going to do this. And they said, we promise. And Dane, their son, Dane Hennon, was coming home from college. And they said, surprise, we got a business you can come work in. Here you go. Build a new website. Let's start digitizing all these files. You can start packing them. And he was like, okay, hold on a second. But really what happened was Dane had had two jobs and they said look we're gonna they they weren't gonna buy it unless they could have dane come in and actually work on it day to day and jeff and carolyn's plan was to have their other jobs the business as dane started building it doing the website dane developed the new logo developed the website started giving the he's the one that kind of started giving the towels names and personalities mm -hmm. um taking really good high quality photos of it and really trying to up the level he's the first one that got us onto social media and started pushing some photos and doing some of our stickers and that was all Dane. he started all that and uh he got so busy they started calling all their neighborhood friends and family and jeff and carolyn had to quit their jobs jeff quit his job one year after taking the taking over the company and then carolyn start quit her job six months after jeff quit his and the they had to come in full time and then they had hired uh, a couple of uh, employees and they were all working out of their house. They moved the whole business to a two car garage. And then uh, it got so busy, they couldn't, they were doing more retail stuff and they were like, gosh, we can't have people just stopping by the house to pick up towels. Yeah. yeah. And so they found a little uh, 3000 square foot building storefront with a little warehouse in the back and they moved into that. And within six months, they knocked out the wall to the building next door and moved into that. And then all of a sudden, Jeff started buying and renting. There, there was a storage facility on the same property. So he went over to the storage facility and started renting thousand square foot storage facilities to hold towels as they were coming in. All of a sudden he had 10 of those. And he's like, oh my gosh, technically I'm my 
my business is taking on 15,000 square feet of footprint space, basically. I need to find a bigger building. And so they found this building, which is right here next door to us. And that's where it got. But when they were in the Garden City store, I needed towels. I was a detailer. I was using the Costco towels. Mm -hmm. And I noticed at one point that I started to scratch a car. I would mar a paint surface when I was wiping wax off or wiping polish off or compound. And I go, that was just put in by the towel. I grab a new one. I'd rip the tag off, shake it out, go again. The heck? This is scratching. And I didn't know what it was. And so I started doing research. And then I found out that the rag company was in Boise, Idaho. I looked at, uh, this was before auto fiber came out. So it was microfiber tech. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there was microfiber madness and the rag company. And I looked at all three websites and I thought, gosh, I, I looked at all the towels. And I Google searched one morning for some reason. I was like, what was that place called? The rag something or other. I typed it in and Google brought up, because it was using my local area, mm -hmm. it showed the address to the house. And I was like, Boise, Idaho, what the heck? I didn't even know they were in Idaho. And so I emailed Jeff, said, hey, can I come down and check out some towels? He said, yeah, sure, of course. Come on down. Love to have you. I spent three hours that day. Looking at towels. Looking at towels MBS. and learning everything I could. And then the wow. next day, my guy, Matt, and I, my assistant manager, has been with me for 14 years at the other mm -hmm. businesses. He basically just followed me. He goes, what do you want to do for lunch? And I said, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we should go to the rag company again. And he's like, <laughs> sounds like a great idea. Let's go. But this is the funniest story. My little brother. So I've got, I've got my little stepbrother. He's 30. So he's a lot younger than me. He's also 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and about 400 pounds. So he's my little stepbrother. So man, that's a big dude. He's a big boy. So he was working for me mm -hmm. and he'd been working for me for over a year and a half every day, helping me do invoicing, helping me deliver cars, helping prep vehicles, helping the guys finish cars. He, he just, just a shop helper, but he was there every single day. So we come back from that first trip of the rag company. We pull up. He's like, where'd you guys go? Mind you, he never texted me. He never called me. Never like, what are you guys doing? I said, well, what have you been doing? He goes, well, I've been doing invoices. And I had some lunch. What's up? And I said, well, we're at the rag company. It's this, this towel manufacturer. They've got tons of towels. they got all kinds. Oh, my gosh, it's so great. We spent uh, and on my two guys, Matt and JJ, that were with me were like, yeah, it was amazing. Oh, my gosh, we had all this stuff. And, ding, and then Seth goes, oh, yeah, the rag company. The Hennens own that. I went to high school with Dane. He's a friend of mine. And I said, wow, Small when world. did they buy it? And he goes, oh, two years ago, two, three years ago. And I was like, and you've known this the whole time? It is. Worked here for a year and a half. You've known this the whole time? And he goes, well, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, we just shook our heads because it was like, you use towels every day. And not mm -hmm. once. Didn't think about mentioning Not once that. you go, hey, my buddy's parents own a microfiber towel company. They sell towels like this. You should go talk, you should go talk to them. Not once did he say that. So needless to say that next day when we left, Matt goes, hey, Seth, before we leave, do you have any other friends or family members that, yeah, yeah. that have a connection to the detailing industry? And he's like, no, I don't think so. We're like, all right, cool. So, so, what, what, so you started hanging out. When, when did it, at some point, did it click in your mind that there might be an opportunity here? Yes. So as the business started getting more products on and more mm -hmm. recognized, um, 
I started using stuff. And the biggest thing was Carolyn started asking if I could answer questions, customer service questions because Jeff and Carolyn didn't come from the detailing industry. And they were trying to do their best to help their customers answering their questions. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have a detailer on staff to answer those questions. So detailers would start buying the towels. When they bought the company, it was primarily janitorial and sanitation. So it was tons of hotels. They had a number of hotels. Mm -hmm. They had a number of businesses that were just carrying the towels. Detailing wasn't a very large percentage of the business. Over the course of about a year and a half, the business percentage changed to make detailing almost 70% of the business. Wow. All of a sudden there's this massive influx. They had one employee that was a part-time detailer at home. She kind of worked on her own cars. She mm -hmm. kind of did. So she was the only one that kind of had an idea, mm -hmm. but she would refer to forums. She would refer back to Facebook groups and things like that. So they were like, we need somebody that we can ask these questions. So first Jeff would just ask a question. Hey, does this towel work with this product? Have you heard of this product? I got a customer that's trying to use it. They want to know. And I mm -hmm. go, yeah, I've heard of that. It works. Or Carolyn would call and say, hey, I got a customer. Want to know what's the best towel for this type of sealant wax that they have. And I go, well, actually, this towel that you have would probably work the best because of the way it, the pile is or the texture, whatever, the weave. And she go, oh, my gosh, thanks. Okay. Then it got to a point where Carolyn goes, can I just start calling you or texting you? And I go, yeah, that's fine. Like, I'm working on cars all day. Like, right. was, yeah. her phone was ringing all the time. I had a, you know, headphone in my ear and I'd answer calls all day long. So she would just send customer service my way. Then she goes, maybe we should do a, uh, uh, we'll create an email for you and we'll just start loading email questions in there and you start answering them in your off time if you can. And I was like, yeah, not a problem. It got to a point where one day I spent the entire day on the phone just fielding rag company phone calls. And I remember I called Carolyn that night and I said, we should probably do something about this because I spent the whole day on the phone, mind you, detailing cars. Right. I was answering detailing questions, but I was doing it for the rag company. Right. And at night, I would go in and I would answer an hour or two's worth of emails a night, just questions going through because they'd load this email up. And so I would go through that and I said, maybe I should, you should, we can see about like a compensation. Nothing crazy. It's part time. We're just kind of doing what I can. And she's like, oh, of course, let's figure that out. Then, so that's what I did for a long time. Just kind of the capacity of answering some, I was like an offsite customer service mm -hmm. representative for them. Then one day, Jeff calls me and goes, hey, I got to take a trip. I got to go meet with this company. They're interested in our towels. Can you go with me? And I said, well, if you're paying, yes. And he goes, yeah, I'll, I'm paying for it. Come, come with me just so I know what they're talking about. If I have a question or something, or you can at least talk back and forth. Absolutely. Talk to Lango. Yeah. And I said, all right, sure. Cool. So we go. The moment we get to the airport that morning to leave Boise to fly out, mm -hmm. Jeff goes, "How can I find somebody like you mm -hmm. to come? Mm -hmm. Oops, sorry, to no, come work good. to come work with me, come work for me." And I said, "Why don't you hire me?" And eight months later, I was able to leave my shop, transition, make sure all my ducks were in order, and then come on to the rag company, which coincided them moving into this building because the other building, they were bursting, right? This building, we finally had some room. We could breathe, but we were still small. There was only about nine of us in this building uh, when we first moved in. And that was everything. And now 
we're in 65,000 square feet and there's, we've got close to 50 employees. It's insane. It's insane. And that amount of time. And it's, and it's just crazy. I, I, I'm blown away at what we've been able to achieve because Jeff and Carolyn have never put any restrictions on us. Mm-hmm. They've always said, treat everyone with respect, always take the high road and be helpful. Number one goal of the rag company is to educate first and then sales is secondary. But the number one goal is if a customer leaves here, at least they have the education. That's all that we care about. And those were the, the tenants that they taught us and said, this is just how we're gonna do business. I like it. And that's what we've done. And it's worked. So you've seen this trend. I mean, Rag Company, I mean, again, it's one of the foundation, modern day foundation companies of new companies that have come in and and really, you know, Rupas isn't new, PNS isn't new, McGuire, all these different companies yeah. are out there, but they're new. But Rag Company, you know, it, microfiber towels is, is the new kid on the block. Yeah. When you look at, you know, longevity of all the long products. So what other things you've, you've witnessed some things, what are some big takeaways that you've seen in the industry, like game, like game changing. So microfiber come in, you know, I watch clay show up, you know, in the day. So now we've really seen some changes. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think? Like if you had two or three big changes that's happened, you know, in the last decade, that's really made an impact, not just on the companies, but more so, the small mom and pop entrepreneurs that run detailing companies. I think it's the diversity of what you can build out for your business, Mm -hmm. where you can add PPF, you can add vinyl, you can add ceramic coatings, you can add, you know, all these different protection things. You can add window tint. When you and I were doing this in Boise, those were all separate businesses. Oh yeah. You were just a window tinter or clear bra was a whole new thing. Right. And, you know, or a vinyl shop, a sticker shop or a sign shop. If you were a vinyl shop, you were also a sign shop. Yep. You weren't. No. You, you, oh, you got sticker. You put racing stripes on someone's car. That's cool. Oh, and you also made a sign for a local car wash. Absolutely. Like absolutely. that. It wasn't. You were lucky if you got. You also had to make business cards or something. It wasn't like. It wasn't the fact when I was. flourish. You no. Couldn't. And when I was a kid, my dad used to get this magazine. It was like auto restyling or auto mm-hmm. trim news mm-hmm. back in the day. And I remember opening that up and reading it and it would have detail products in it and it would have pinstripe kits yeah. and it would have tint and it would have body kits yep. for mini trucks. And it had all these different things. And I remember telling my dad, wouldn't it be cool if you had a shop that could do all this stuff? And my dad was like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But that was all it ever became. And I was an eight year old kid looking at this magazine going like, man, I'd love to. Well, we, we would think of back then it was the, the concept of an auto spa was new. Yeah, totally. You know, and we talked off camera is that could you imagine um, getting into PPF, you know, 25, 30 years ago? Yeah. I mean, we, I, I really kind of poo-pooed it. No, I did too. And I, and that's one of the things that I kicked myself, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be really good friends with Justin Pate, mm-hmm. who's a Boise guy. Right. Yeah. And Justin left Boise after playing, after graduating high school, Capitol, and going to Boise High, and or going to Boise State, yeah. playing football. And he left Boise and went to New York and literally got straight into vinyl yeah. in 99, 2000. Yeah. Got into vinyl and started laying and vinyl wrapping cars. And now he travels all over the world as the lead installer for Avery Dennison and teaches people all over the world how to lay vinyl. 
and does it super fast and efficient right. and teaches guys to do it a quick way to make money. But I look at what he did. He went one way and only hit something that I, in my wildest dreams, couldn't have even no. fathomed at that time period in 98 when I'm working at the car wash. That was going to happen. Doing wax jobs and interior super cleans, as I like to say. No. Yeah. I didn't think like, man, I need to go in and get in vinyl work. And when I did get a job in a vinyl shop, that thought never crossed my mind. Well, and, either. And, and you know what? It didn't cross theirs either. They yeah. were doing something because they liked it and they yeah. fell into it a lot of times. Yeah. There's probably foresight, but I don't think anybody had. Any, listen, even as, as far back as I go with detailing, I had no clue it was going to hit with coatings. You're right. Yeah, me either. Me either. You know, none of us did. We had no clue what was going to hit. You know where I thought the future was 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 really PDR. Yeah. You know. Yep. You know, I and which is still you know good trade, but the profitability that you can now make off of PPF final and, yeah. and, and, and correction and coatings is just astronomical. Well, and that's like you know my guys. So they left my shop. They opened their own. They opened a new shop. Mm -hmm. They moved locations. They partnered with another guy, um, and they opened what's referred to as Lupo Auto Spa. Mm -hmm. And they do, they install Modesta, they install G-Technic, mm -hmm. they install Expel, PPF, mm -hmm. and they do some detailing. That shop, five years out from when they started, for last year, for 2020 mm -hmm. or 2019, they did a million in sales. Yeah. yeah. Out of a detail shop. A absolutely. That did PPF, coatings, and yeah. some detailing. And I said... Holy cow. Because Matt came in and he goes, what was our highest year we ever did? And I said, wow, we were right under 400,000. And it was like the year before I left. And you're busting and, your ass to hit it. And he goes, and I go, we worked hard. And he's like, I did a million yeah. this year. And I was like. Yeah, we've got friends of ours. We've got a two-man um, two shop. They're yeah. doing a million dollars a year. And, a and they just shop. added it's vinyl. Like, they just added vinyl wrapping. So now they're doing vinyl wrapping services. Take it and it's, yeah, it's just going to continue to grow. And I'm so impressed and proud of this and it's cool to see my crew right you know to see Absolutely. them all still doing stuff and still working you know i wish they hey, were you guys hear, uh, so here, here's the okay man you just hit on something so many people and the and so many of us in detailing have been kept down yeah you know and but here's the deal what the hell is it when when people become successful that they want to do the same thing that was done to them listen people that go to work for you are probably going to start a shop shop up oh yeah totally and 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 i got to the point where I, as i matured i was like I'm planning on you starting a shop up. Yeah. I helped them just not right in my backyard, you know? Yeah. And, and it was a, listen, the majority of people that work for us, we didn't want to help them because they want to help themselves. But George Jorge is still over in Sun Valley. I just yeah. had dinner with him last time we were here. Juan. He's killed. Yeah, Juan, Juan Gonzalez. Look at, I mean, he worked, Juan and I, you know, you, you know, cool he was here Juan. yesterday with me. Oh, no way. He's been really? here since Wednesday. He left this morning. That. I saw that. So, yeah, I saw yeah. that. You know, he, him and I are together on 9 11. Yeah. He was at our customers in Sun Valley, the Drackets on 9-11 when it was going down. We watched the whole thing, the whole thing unravel at the Drackets house. And I'll never forget that. And that was really before we got big. We yeah. were profitable, but we were small. But I mean, you look at guys like that. They're gonna leave. And it's why why would you want to keep people down? Build them up, yeah. man. Let them. I mean, there's a listen, if detailing keeps marketing itself and all the, the accessory businesses. We got to go by ten times the size. We don't have enough. Yeah, good guys. No, you know? exactly. And and, I, and, I, and it's the hard part is that it goes back to that teams. Retailers pick teams. They pick yeah. a side, and they're like, "I only do this, and I only work this way." And you go even further back to when we were doing it, and it was, "I don't want to 
help or teach no, that guy anything because that, if it. he learns my skills yeah that's it he and learns I, my secret sauce then everybody's going to have it and i'm not going to be worth anything anymore that's exactly and it. i think what what surprised me the most was i i grew up in that you know i learned from my dad and then i learned from other detailers that i worked with absolutely and i learned from from tom smith the owner of buff bright who has who was the mvp distributor you know that's who i learned yeah. from and the surprise was when i first found out about you that you were training and teaching other detailers and i was like wow who's this guy that's actually teaching skills to other detailers and yeah. i remember i said said that to Danny one day. I was like, you know, because we were having a problem. My guys were swirling cars like crazy. And what it was, was we were all doing rotaries. Yeah. And we were using, we were <laughs> using a product that had, that was full of fillers and full of petroleum yep. distillate. Yep. And the moment it got washed off, I was like, I, I think back now to this problem. And 15 years ago, I was confused. It was like, I don't know how that works. I don't know how it's getting done that way. And I think back and I go, we were putting so many fillers ah. on these cars and we were rotoring them. Yeah. And then we park them on the lot and they'd sit on point at a dealership. And then the lot boys would come by, rinse them off with a pressure washer and wipe them down with a dry squeegee or yeah. chamois. Yeah. And then they would do that over like every two days and all the fillers would come off uh, and all those wash scratches from just dust and chamois. Mm -hmm. And then the dealership would call and go, man, this truck you guys did two weeks ago looks, like looks crap. horrible. And I'd get it back and i go, God, what are we doing wrong? Like, cars look amazing when they leave us. Why are they looking like crap when they come back? And I didn't, I didn't have the capacity to understand, like, oh, the product you guys are using is loaded with fillers. Absolutely. And you're, you've created a scratch pattern and you haven't been able to get that scratch pattern back out. You've just put a secondary exact same scratch pattern on it. Maybe you did it in different angles. So you got some shapes. But it was, how do we fix that? And then I remember you were teaching on the Flex, the 3401. And I remember telling Danny, hey, this guy is right around the corner from us. Maybe we should see if he could do like a, he could come over to our shop for a day and teach us how to use this, this machine so we could get these swirl marks out. And he was like, ah, we're the best. That's why we're called Boise's Best. We're doing everything fine. And I was like, right. yeah, but we're getting cars coming back. Yeah. And it was just, that was one of the things with me that I was like, I didn't at the time, but like, but we wouldn't go talk to another dealership mm -hmm. or detail shop and go, what are you doing? Because we're having this problem. We're going to tell them what I'm using. Listen, tribal knowledge is huge. It, it yeah. depends. We found out in the, in the mafia, you know, of opening way up with each other. is It's it's how big your tribe is. Yeah. The tribal knowledge is only so big. Now our industry, you know, has been a lot more acceptance of that. Yeah. So, hey, Chris, this is break time. So guess who sponsored today's podcast to make this happen? Any guesses? Can you see um, yeah, there we go. Hey, we're oh, no. You know, yeah. you didn't ask me earlier what shirt I was wearing. Oh, you know what? Our yeah. Shirt today. Yeah. I wore my right company shirt in honor of our guest. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. So, you so know, we want to thank, I mean, we, we go back with these guys. I, I remember watching you. Um, I think when you guys got my attention was the guy that you guys brought in and I'm going to destroy his name and I don't want to do it. It's not out of dishonor. Uh, the oh, the junk man the junk man what was what's his aj aj there you go that's so that really caught my attention when you guys brought the junk man on well and at the time the junk man was the uh he was probably the most popular youtube detailer he was 
And that's crazy. Yeah. Back then. Right. He had a ton of subscribers too. And he was just doing it in his garage. What happened? Where's AJ at? He's still doing stuff. He got married. Did he? Yeah. Jeff talks to him every once in a while, about, about every three or four months or so. Yeah. We've talked about bringing him out here just to come say hi and check it out. Yeah. He was the one. He bought the baseline, Eagle Towels, mm-hmm. made a post about him, made a video about him. And that's what really kickstarted all of us into social media and getting us out there. So I will get uh, with you guys today. I am going to make you a bet that out of any shop in the country and you guys, I buy all my towels, mm-hmm. you know, you guys, it, it's, it's, I go on, you know, we want to support you guys. I am guessing outside of this warehouse right behind us, I've got the largest collection of the rag company towels in the country. Probably. I, I bet I do. Yeah. I don't have the the latest and greatest no. always because I, I buy, you know, we, we want fresh towels when we, when we train. Yeah. Uh, and they go over great, and you know it. it uh, we can solve just about any problem because who would have thought, also ten years ago, that microfiber and switching them up is a problem solver? Yes, a lot of people did, and that goes right back to the very first time when I started working and looking at or first found towels. Reason I found it was because I was using a Kirkland signature towel yep. on soft clear coat, mm-hmm. and an eighty twenty blend was what that towel was. Absolutely, all purpose Terry three hundred and twenty yep. GSM. That towel would scratch soft clear coat. Period. Yeah. It didn't matter that it was a great towel or that it worked in other uses. Absolutely. On soft clear, it didn't work. And what I had to move towards was a 70-30 blended towel or a 75 or 75-25. Yeah. Like I needed to kick up the level of polyamide. And I didn't know that until I None came to the did. rag company and learned it from Jeff. And he goes, Well, this is he goes, well, this this one's 7030. I said, what's the difference? And I said, the Kirkland signatures are 8020. And he goes, well, 7030, that increase in polyamide allows the towel to be softer and more absorbent. See, we thought that dead opposite back yeah. in the day. And I was like, wait, softer? Right. Than this? And he's like, yeah. He goes, and then you can change your weave. Yeah, we're like, and once you change the weave, you can make it even softer. And the biggest thing is the plush where it's an open. It's basically not a loop anymore. It's all open. It's all open, which is why it doesn't catch on your fingers. I love it. I love it. And he goes, and that's, he goes, try this on your card. I was like, oh, all right. I took it and found a soft paint car again. And then I was like, whoa, it didn't do it. And I grab a Kirkland signature. I was like, oh my gosh, look at at the difference. I can see the scratches. And that was, that was the start of it where I thought, holy cow, I didn't know that. And then Jeff goes, by the way, I make types of microfiber towels. And I was like. (laughs) That was just done. Yeah. I was like, I okay, can't. I need like 10. And it you know? took me, it took me a year to learn uh, every type of towel that we make and every type of blend and every type of weave and, and every GSM and how it all it's, translates. It's really an industry in an industry. And it a is. lot of people don't understand that is how, how involved microfiber. And you know, it, you, you guys have really, the science behind it is huge. It's, it's like it's like blending products. I yeah, mean, it's well, blending towels, and that's yeah. what it is. And what's crazy is there are so many other people within the realm of microfiber. Oh yeah, that are doing tons of other stuff. So you, we haven't even scratched surface with clothes. Yeah, that oh, more yeah. and more clothes are microfiber. Absolutely, more and more of them. Absolutely. So hey, takeaway time. So we're going to leave you guys with three, and this is probably my most exciting time of a podcast, is because. I'm going to ask you three questions, and I and I really want this is if you're going to make mental or physical notes, right now. Also, if it ain't written, it ain't happening. You know who told yeah. me that? Yeah. Warren Buffett. Yeah, that's good. We had another. We had another. We had a another company we owned over in Sun Valley, and I got to, 
I got to interact with hang him twice. With, yeah. I wouldn't know if it was hang out, but I was in his presence. <laughs> That's good. And That's I finally right. worked up the nerve to ask him that. And I said, hey, what would you tell, at the time, pretty young. I said, what would you tell a young entrepreneur? He goes, if it's not written, it's not happening. And I've never, I preach that all the time. I say it probably a hundred times a month. Mm -hmm. But what does the modern day Levi, right now today, wish that he could go back and tell the younger Levi a decade ago? Uh, one, take care of your body. Yeah. Uh, that's I'm at 41. It's it's amazing how fast it deteriorated, and I didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. So I probably should have worked out a little more, got a little stronger, watched what I was doing, watched the way I was holding my stuff, be a little more ergonomic, yeah. and not not grind so hard. And second would be to be more open to some of the new stuff as soon as it comes out. Absolutely. So I wish I would have gotten into vinyl a lot more because I was in it in 2001, 2000. Yeah. I was doing vinyl graphics. I was doing, I was making stickers and cutting them and putting them on cars. We do graphics packages mm -hmm. at the dealership. I was doing, but I didn't take it any, I didn't learn anything else about it. I was really close to doing, I could have done some more, but I wish I would have done that or yeah. taken that and gone, gosh, that plotter's only this much. Me and too. this, me this too. computer system's only this much. Oh, I should probably invest in some vinyl and learn how to do that. At least on like graphics for cars or something. Um, and then PPF. I think I waited way too long to do PPF. You know, I was in the in the in the late eighties and, and early nineties. Uh, I was in the auto tinting industry and then mm -hmm. got into flat glass. And when I sold the company, a, a good mentor of mine tried to talk me in. He goes, "You know, I really think this clear bra. That's what yeah. they called it back yeah. then." is going to take off and with your talents on film why don't you get into that nah yeah i was like oh man can you imagine that so next what's something that you see that stands out that people in the industry need to pay more attention to um being not so quick to judge others based on their mistakes you know i see it a lot uh, i see a lot of detailers young detailers mm -hmm. starting out mm -hmm. on all the different forums mm -hmm. They have a question that needs asked and we're getting better at answering that question for that person. But there's too many people that go in and maybe this is just our society where they pile on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you did that. You're so dumb. You're so stupid. You shouldn't be doing what's wrong that. with you. You know, everybody is new the, at one time. The, the, the person is just asking a question. That's it. And you know, for instance, we have, there's a number of detailers that use that I see that use awesome cleaner from mm -hmm. the dollar store mm -hmm. to clean interiors. Mm -hmm. They don't know enough about that product. They don't know enough about car interiors. They don't know about surfaces. They don't know enough about pH levels. And it's, they're going like, this is the best product I use. Well, you can say that it's the best product you use. But note that if you're not diluting it, if you're not using it in the proper mixtures or using it on the proper way to apply it, you're going to damage an interior. And a lot of it is is us wanting to say, hey, don't use that. Like, use it. You could use it, but use it right. You use, it, use it right. And if you don't, hey, remember how you were saying all the white letters are wiping yeah, off everything? Yeah, yeah. There's a reason. What are you diluting that at? Right. You know, it's coming from a different... I think so many of us are quick to go like, oh my gosh, you can call yourself a real detailer if you're using that stuff. Right. It's like, hold up. That's a teaching lesson. At least they're asking the question. Yeah. You know, the other thing I say too is, listen, if you're going and using, if 
your products come from a big box store, what's, what makes you special? Everybody wants to make top dollar in the detailing industry, yeah. but then they've got a something that they go to a big box store. I won't even name the brands. And usually, oh, yeah. you know, the reason why we stood out in Idaho, Idaho was not a, I mean, detailing was it. it, it detail it, shops. We had, we had a couple detail shops. It wasn't anything. It wasn't. You were lucky when you had customers that really cared about their car but, enough. But here is what it, I was just talking to one of our students, Billy, was out with us last week. He's in Wyoming. Yeah. And I told him, I said, you know, you're sitting in a gold mine. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, that's how Idaho was. Your market was Idaho 25 years ago. And you've got an opportunity to build up a market that knows very little about professional detailing yep. and own it and yeah. make it yours. And so, you know, I, I love that because, you know, new people, at least they're asking the question. But then on the flip side, they owe it to themselves. If they're going to start getting paid, you know, is A, I'd urge people like you, A, be kind. Uh, first, use the search button. See what yeah. you can find out search-wise. You know, a lot of people in our society uh they want they want to be given everything yeah and they don't want to do the research so a you better do the research and then and then b for those people everybody who's new be patient everybody who's new yeah. and and just remember the more that you can build people up the more you can charge yeah. so i had a detailer that thought clay bars remove swords wow and i had to and i had to stop him and go yeah. hold up man let me show you what this does yeah and he was a guy that worked for me wow and i was like that's but i had to i had to just Wow. I could have yelled at him because he was working for me. Yeah. And I was like, but I didn't. I go, no, hold on. You're, I don't know where you got that info, but you're wrong. Let me show you why. That's cool. And it, but it's that. I always think back to that. Right. that there's always somebody that's, that they're just, even if they work for you, even if the, you've taught them and trained them, yeah, they're still getting knowledge from other places. That's it. Again, and where's that tribal knowledge coming? You know, and I, I you, you got to add to this too is that, you know, a lot of people that you hang out with is that, we have a saying in the mafia is that people go in and you're a member, you come through training, you're signed into our group. Unless there's, there's no theory in our group. We've pretty much been there, done that unless it's something new. Like when coatings came into play, yep. we're all learning together. When a new coating, you know, we just had legend. We're learning, we're learning the habits of a, of a brand new coating. Now what yep. we can do, I mean, we loved your, your podcast that you put on the other day, you, like where you figured out, you know, you broke the code. Well, it's part of the code. It's what, what you told me and what Sydney told me. Yeah. Then I added a third element just to, as a tester. Absolutely. Because right. I got to try and figure out, I have to come at it from a different prospect. I have to try to sell it to a weekend warrior. Absolutely. How do I sell it to a weekend warrior? Yeah. Where I could sell it to a professional detailer. Yeah. Like, like if you Absolutely. were selling it, you could sell it to Brent and say, hey, here's what you got to do. They're like, okay, cool. I got it. But now that but we're I getting to sell it to somebody who doesn't have any knowledge, we're getting it on thousands of vehicles and yeah. we're learning as we go too. just like any, any, anything new. You yeah. Know? And so you got to be able to adjust to that. Now, this last question is one of, I think I love to ask this one. I can't wait to hear your answer. Want a piece of advice. And I don't care where it goes. You know, so much of our lives, when I ask this, I want to frame it for you. Is that, you know, people look at your business as your business, but you don't realize that your business is your life. When you're doing something for a living or your goal is to do it for a living, is you're going to take that home every day. Yeah. I, I, I don't care, you know. I try to relax and so forth. My business is on my mind seven days a week. Now yeah. I don't necessarily work seven days a week, right. but it's on my mind seven yeah. days a week. So one piece of advice that you love to give people that you've learned just one simple piece of advice that you think will impact their lives. Stop trying to impress internet detailers. They don't pay your bills. Dude, man, gosh, Your customers you. pay your bills. That's it. And your customers allow your employees 
pay their bills, to buy Thank cars, you. to buy houses, to take care of them. So if you're too worried about what another detailer oh, is doing man. on the internet, man. you're not going to be able well, to sir. handle it. You need to take care of your customers. That's always the number well, one sir. thing is help your customers. Well, and, you sir. know, I said this in, in when we did our big thing with the mafia. You know, I had a customer who was a great customer of mine, her and her mom. And her mom bought one of my gift certificates at a banquet mm-hmm. or something that I donated to. And I donated just a detail. Mm-hmm. She bought it at the auction. She came and got her car detail. She gave me the Idaho power account. So all the power trucks. Mm -hmm. So she got me that account. I started detailing all the Idaho power trucks. Then she had her daughter come in and get her car done. And I can literally every month I had five referrals from her and her daughter of customers. And then her daughter, who's my age, got, uh, um, she basically she got stomach cancer mm-hmm. and uh, ended up dying. And but before she died, she bought herself a new car. Matt and I detailed it, coated it. Mm-hmm. The car was immaculate, a little white Mini Cooper, and it was immaculate. And she wanted to get it clean. She hadn't driven it. It had ten miles on it. She hadn't even driven it. And he and we detailed it. Her husband came to pick it up. And I say, I sent him over a zero thumb bill. Oh, and he that. he broke down in tears mm. because that's cool. He was like, "You guys, she wanted to do. She wanted because she likes who you are. She likes the two of you, and you know they push like her and her mom pushed us all the time. And I was like, dude, I know, but I can name, you know, two hundred, three hundred customers that I have because of her." And because of her mom. Boy, and this is nothing. I know what you're going through and I know what she wants. So we upgraded it. We did this package instead of this package mm-hmm. that she wanted to get. We've done this. Her car's set. I did everything I physically could to it. And it was one of those things where it was like, it cost me a ton of money that day. Yeah. You know, in labor yeah. and costs and all that stuff. But I thought that was a great investment. She brought so much to the table mm. for us and she helped. And her mom still continuously, even though I'm out of this out of the game, will still refer. How cool. And is still that? send people. And I'm like, I'm not taking those customers, but thank you. Like, even though she knows that I'm doing this, she's it's they're still just because they they like me. Well, I'll tell you to, to kind of and caveat. That's what, that's what takes care of your customers. Being does. good to your customers is what matters you and, know? and with that stop advertising and detailing forums you know i mean it's great to brag yeah. but you know what go on a social media and educate versus brag yeah and get more customers yeah that's what it comes down to so so hey chris did you see that look at hey, sit back so we see your shirt so you mentioned you mentioned mini coopers and his nipples got hard. i know you know i saw I mean, that did i, see I that? looked at him when I that? That? <laughs> yeah I mean, it just bam that instant so i got hey. i got you uni's on uh listening with us today and she's already hit me up for my mini cooper she wants it real bad oh yeah Do you tell her she can't have it no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well hey uh levi uh now if you live in a rock how do people follow you? Oh, so I'm on uh, Facebook. Uh, you can there's uh, my public profile page, Levi Gates, mm-hmm. um, and then Instagram's the Rag Company Levi. Although I've taken a break from Instagram, but you can follow me there. Um, and then of course the Rag Company podcast. You can download, listen to us every week wherever podcasts are, are available. And 
You can even listen to my podcast, The Master of Shine at Home. If you want to learn more about me, it's mostly just that podcast is just me. That's cool. It's just me talking about life. And uh, there's about six episodes out there. And it's just just me. There you I, talk, go. I talk in my, in my garage to myself. It's cool. So, I love it. But that's another way you can find that anywhere podcasts are available. To Usually when I'm in my garage. Right on. <laughs> Usually when I'm in my garage talking to myself, it involves a lot of swearing and yelling. Yeah. <laughs> you know what his swearing is? Oh, darn. Yeah. Or he goes, oh, boy. Yeah. You, know? you know what I do is when I call him and you hear him, he'll pick up. So Chris will pick up the phone. Yeah. And there's 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 everyday Chris. Yeah. And it's, hey, what's going on? And then there's aggravated Chris. Hello. <laughs> and so now when he goes, hello, I ask Christopher, what's going yeah. on? Are you so, okay? Yeah. What's happening? I, I him, when, I, when I address him as Christopher... You know, that's, 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 that's the sign that he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's annoyed and he's showing it, you know, somebody's gotten underneath this skin. So Levi, Hey, we want to thank the rag company for sponsoring today. And of course, yeah, PNS products. Thank you for being here. Black. Pretty excited. We got a couple of cool days. Now we got a special guest in, uh, that we kind of, we kind of snuck in on. You, you did. I, I texted Jeff and he was very upset Yeah, that he was not made aware of that. Yeah. So he was, he's, uh, yeah. he was. I think he's here now, but I think he was racing. To, yeah. He's probably running around the house, putting his pants on, right. his shoes on, so trying we, to get here. We've so. got Gordon McCall. Yep. And if you guys don't know who Gordon is, um, go and check out the uh, McCall Motorworks revival. We've yep. all been. Yep. He joined us. Yeah, it was good. Gordon started out life as a detailer, yep. and uh, he's really turned it to, uh, his whole entire life and everything he does. I mean, it it could. Can you imagine the series, the TV series on that? Guy. That's pretty cool. Maybe I mean, the guys. Let's just say the guy walked in, handed me a bottle of Pepsi. Yeah, and then also was wearing a fine pair of Brooks running shoes. That's exactly so, it. So I mean, right there. Yeah, he, he brought you. He brought you a bottle of Pepsi, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I bought him a bottle of. Pepsi. Well, he doesn't miss a thing. Yeah, no, he no. doesn't. He's very. He does his research. He's a smart guy. So yeah. Levi, thanks, buddy. Thank you, great. man. Appreciate Who it. Who ever thought back of that Porter Subs day? I know, right? Is that cool Crazy. or what? Here Crazy. we are. Maybe we should go to Porter Subs for lunch today. Oh, that sounds great. I love that <laughs> hey, Chris, thanks a lot. And uh, hey, go put some uh, heat on those nipples because we mentioned you. You know, we mentioned Minnie Cooper. They got a yeah. little hard. You know. So, <laughs> all right, guys, take care. Ready to do a podcast? Make sure to like, share, follow, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya. See you guys. <laughs>